Oh, my God. All right. Oh, my gosh. The Scott Foreman. I feel like, I really feel like I won the homecoming king this week. Uh, but the cherry on top of the pie is definitely getting Scott Foreman on the show. Woo! I don't know That's about good. that, Matt. Trying to make a living out there in this cruel world. And by golly, had a flat tire this morning and these gas darn cars. Other way, this way. Anyways, uh, they throw those tires up underneath the back of the vehicles and it ain't worth a darn. What about if you travel 70 straight days, it's like you're going to have a little bit of tire issue from time to time. She's about 35,000 miles overdue for an oil change, but, hell, it's a rental full coverage. So yeah. we're going to roll. They'll get her changed. <laughs> Anyways, uh, joined this morning by, I mean, just another one of them Steve Martin types. He just he got bored with the cattle. And now he he's still in the cattle business, but he just kind of dominates the pig deal now. And uh, that man's name is Scott Foreman, and uh, Scott is from northern Iowa. Where were you born and raised at, Scott? I was born in Baxter, Iowa. Oh, yeah, just northeast of Des Moines. So, uh, I mean, you're a friend to many. I just I know that you have a pretty good bond with uh, Brad Otto, my SD rep. And uh, you used to go down to Copas's a lot. I mean, we can go wherever you want to go. Uh, you can shout out your your pagan business if you want. But uh, anyways, I just want to know some of those little stories. Because they say, to this day, Scott Foreman can get them right. Just like Dave Geyer. You've been able to get them right since you came out of the womb. Well... I don't know about that, but uh, I've been blessed to. Uh, it's a it's a God given talent. I could I could clip and practice every day for a year, and I still would be a little less talented than Scott Foreman in terms of clipping. I uh, I've been blessed to, to spend a lot of time around a lot of talented people, and I guess I had uh, a lot of drive to uh, to be as good as I possibly could be at. Uh, at what yeah. I was doing, and, and uh, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't have anything in mind. I I know less about you than I want to, so this interview is for me more than anybody else. But do you have any oh, – we visited a couple times up in Sioux Falls during the sale of champions. Uh, do you have any old stories at the Copas Show Barn or up here in the North Country that you know, Matt, I've got a lot of stories. Like I said, I've been blessed to spend the time around a lot, a lot of talented people in the livestock industry. I was fortunate to spend a lot of time around Mark Copus. I guess from the mid, the first time would have probably been in around 86 that I kind of started helping him, 86, 87 in that area when Mark was at Doc Wise's in Texas. Uh, oh, yeah. Brownwood, right? Yep, Brownwood. They actually, uh, I guess the whole story, how I got tied in with that is, is uh, I grew up in Baxter, Iowa, and Jeff Holmes' wife, Deanna Deaton, was her maiden name. She grew up in Mingo, and, and uh, 
in our in our little part of the world, Deanna was the queen of the show ring. She was uh, uh, she she was the one that everybody was shooting to knock off the top, and she was dating Jeff at that time. He was at Iowa State uh, getting his undergrad, and then eventually went into vet school. And um, and Jeff and I, uh, I, I was just a a, a, a poor Iowa kid that that had to love a livestock and, and didn't have any any money and, and uh I got to know Jeff and, and Jeff kinda helped me out. We we uh he'd make sure I had something to show and uh him and I owned a steer my senior year of high school. It was a Cherry County, which nobody's ever heard of today. He was a full blood key bull out of an Angus cow come from Dean Sheed in Nebraska. And and that would have been in uh eighty five, eighty six. And we took that steer to uh we took three steers to Sioux Falls that year and that's back when Sioux Falls was one of the premier shows in the in the country. We took three steers up there and all three steers won their class, which was quite a feat. And Mark Copas actually owned one of those three steers he had bought from Jeff, and uh, kind of got kind of got hooked up with uh, to know Mark that way. And then uh, fast forward to that summer, that steer was champion lightweight about everywhere we showed him, but he wasn't very big. Uh, Nolan Fleshner and Dan Letty. Hey, I just talked to Nolan Flesher for the first time last night. He's going to be on the show in the next week, so that's awesome. Go ahead. Sorry. That's Sorry for interrupting. That, that's, that, that's an awesome dude. Uh, Nolan, Nolan was helping Doc Wise. Dan Letty was helping Doc Wise. And uh, they had heard about this calf, and they called Jeff, said, we heard you got a nice Kansas City-sized steer. He said, yeah, we do. Um they come up. They come up here and looked at him, and, and and ended up buying him. And they took him to Kansas City, and he was uh, reserve uh, FFA steer, I believe, that year. And and that started my tie with Doc Wise. Doc asked me then at Kansas City, "Would you be interested in coming and working for me in Brownwood in the summer?" And I'm like, "Absolutely." And so. From uh, every summer I was in college at Iowa State. Uh, uh, I, I went down the docks, and, and Mark Mark came on board shortly after after that Kansas City trip, and uh, that's that's kind of that that steer. So that to tell the, opened to, a lot of ports. To tell the full story, like this is just my recollection, and I was at Doc Wise's Brownwood location maybe two or three times, maybe when that Kenny Herzog was there with bringing some calves for Mark to sell. Uh, anyways. That's kind of like a dream team, wasn't it? Wasn't there like three or four of you guys or maybe more that was helping the Doc Wise family at one point or another? Yeah, you know, it, it was really interesting, Matt. Um, Doc, Doc, uh, that family was multi-species. Doc was really strong in the sheep. And, and uh, actually Steve Sturtz, who grew up in Gilman, Iowa, uh, actually was down there running the show lamb portion of of Doc's uh, operation. Um, when when I actually started down there in the summer, of course, uh, Mark was there, 
And uh, it was interesting for for an old kid from Iowa that was lucky to have one Buck fan. Uh, you know, we we had I don't know what there was in that barn at that time. Maybe maybe 15 individual pins all had big fans in them. The barn had swamp coolers, uh, and then eventually we put a, uh, he put a refrigeration in a, a regular cooler. Uh, but uh, that common thing now in the year 2022 but we're refrigeration units or cooling rooms i don't know what i mean what you even know what it called them back then were those standard or were those just getting started in terms of growing that big hair uh in cooling rooms they, and whatnot they were they were just getting started uh matt i mean this would have been so this would have been like in the I mean, I don't, I don't want to age you. I, I hate to. This is just a joke. But you're so darn old, uh, Scott. There was electricity back then, correct? We we had just got electricity just a few years prior. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for that terrible joke. Go ahead. So so yeah, uh, cooler rooms would have just been getting started. Uh, you know, at that point in time, uh, like I said, the, the main. The main barn there at Docks had had all. They were probably like 12 by 12 pins, and each one of them had a great big fan on the back of it. Uh, and and that's you know that's that's kind of how it started with swamp coolers and fans, and then and then just uh, gradually migrated to refrigeration. So that steer, I, I guess, if there was one one calf that that opened a lot of doors for me. It would have been that old half blood key calf uh, from Dean Sheed, uh, you know, uh, sure. from from Jeff Indiana Holmes helping me along the way to introducing me to Doc Wise to to uh, introducing me to Mark Copas and and honestly, Matt, it just uh, you know it kind of snowballed from there. I I was fortunate enough. Uh, so so fast forward uh, a couple of summers, three summers working at Docs. I was fixing to graduate from Iowa State in uh, December of '90, and and Mark uh, Mark asked me, he said, "What are you going to do?" And I said, "I guess I'm going to graduate and, and uh, come down here and get ready for Fort Worth." And so so that's what I did. And him and I had a very unique relationship. I I kind of worked for him during the Texas majors, and then I, uh, I I came back to Iowa and started trading a few calves on my own. Uh, and and basically uh, that's that's kind of in a nutshell how how that all happened. And you know along the way had a lot of exposure. Uh, Bobby May, uh, Kirk Sturwall, uh, Maddox, Bonham. I mean, had lots and lots of exposure to to those guys, um, you know, along the way. So I, I feel very blessed to to have been able to grow up in the in the era that I did, to, to spend yep. time with some of the the true legends of the industry. You bet. You betcha. Uh, I mean, this will be my first po- first podcast ever, changing a, a a blown tire on the side of the interstate. So I hope you don't hear too much commotion in the background. But I got my 15-year-old helper, Chris Dodds, Merle Dodds' son, doing most of the heavy work. I know Chris. 
<laughs> Good young boy. I think my wife tried to hire him yesterday for the summer to work on showcase. I don't think Merle probably let, him, let that happen. But <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess if we're gonna tell the the history of the industry, we ha dang sure had to include a man by the name of Scott Foreman. One thing you when you were talking about Mark, uh, some people call him Hoopy. I mean, when Mark would when Mark still talks to this day, that man could probably talk me into doing things that I shouldn't do. Because he is such a smooth talker. I don't know if that's something that re resonates with you or not, but Mark Copas, if you're telling the history of the show cattle business, that man is just a, I mean, I would have hate to be some of the young ladies that he chased back in the day because that man was a smooth talker then, and he is, he's just, I wish he would read me a bedtime story every night. He's so smooth talking. That man could sell a iced Eskimos. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> That's a better way to put it than I, I did. On and I mean, just in conclusion, I didn't want to lead with this, but I did get some feedback late last night from Nick Smith that you've been following the podcast a little bit. A couple of ten days left in my podcasting career, and uh, do you have any marks I need to go after in terms of not Mark Copas, but just. High-level targets that I should try to get on the show before I retire on June 1st. You know, Matt, uh, I, I tell you, just just because uh, I think he'd be really interesting, um, if you could get Mark on would be awesome. Another one that I uh, have a lot of respect has been as competitive in this industry as anybody uh, that would kind of be an old-school guy would be uh, Bobby Maddox. I think it'd be a, oh, yeah. a good one to get on. Oh, yeah. Bobby's a little bit shy. I haven't even reached out to him yet, but, hell, I'm going to have a lot of drive time today. So, Bobby, if you're listening, you've probably already heard my, seen my text message and call come through. Get back to me whenever you're available, mister. One last question. One last question. Are we doing too much advertising on the Big Show podcast? No. I, uh, I I like it. It's short. It's sweet. It's to the point. You've had a lot of, of interesting uh, individuals on there, and uh, I I've thoroughly enjoyed your your podcast, Matt. What about? Am I showing too much personality? Should we be just a little more professional on the radio? No, I I like the I like the rough, uncut version. <laughs> All right, pal. Thank you very much for coming on. We'll be in touch. Thanks, Matt. Yep.